We spent the first half of this series on the pursuit dealing with trusting Jesus, laying a foundation of what that means. And some of you may have made that step just a couple of weeks ago when we talked about what must I do to be saved. And last week we continued on and kind of moved on from trusting Jesus into honoring God. And we talked about baptism. And some of you may have made a decision to be baptized, to identify publicly um, with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today we're continuing on in our series of pursuing God, and we're looking at how we can live out our life in Christ and honor God. How many of you have ever started a job where somebody has given you the keys and said, good luck? Probably most of us have had that experience at least once where they have not given us any of the resources we need to get the job done. It leaves us with a thousand questions like, uh, do I need an ID? Where do I park? Where do I get my uniform? How do I access information? All of those types of things. What is really the rules in the office that nobody really talks about? So you try to figure those things out, and if you don't figure those things out, you probably don't stay very long. But we've all had that experience. Well, when we trust in Jesus, we also have a new position in Christ. And that is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And you may be asking yourselves, well, how do I move forward in this position? What does it look like? I don't really understand what it should look like. You know, companies spend millions of dollars onboarding staff. Uh, they want to make sure that they do it right. They want to make sure that the person has all the information they need so that they can be successful. Because for companies, it means that they save money. Um, and one of those companies is Google. Google likes to brag about themselves all the time. And here they're bragging about onboarding, that they have the best onboarding by over 25%. And there's probably many reasons why Google has such a good onboarding strategy. But the good news is that God is the one that created onboarding. So he has provided all of the resources that we need for our position in Christ. Second Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And for demonstration purposes, we can portray this as three legs on a stool. There are three resources that God has given us that we need to be using. And there's a little spoiler alert with this. And the spoiler alert is that just because God has given us these resources doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to use those resources. I uh, spent most of my employment career in the corporate world, and I can't tell you how many times I witnessed individuals that did not use the resources that were given to them. 
And I don't really fully understand why. Maybe they thought they knew better. Maybe they thought there was a better way to do it. Maybe they didn't believe in it. Maybe there was somebody else that they thought had better ideas than the ones that were given to them. But the bottom line is that none of those people were successful in their position. And if we are going to be successful in our position in Christ and honor God, then we need to make sure that we're using all three resources that God gives us. And then going back to that illustration of that stool, if you had that stool and you had three legs and you were assembling that stool and you only screwed in two of those legs, would the stool be used correctly? No, it wouldn't be used for its intended purpose. And in the same way, it's important that we use all three resources that God has given us. And the first resource that God's given us is his spirit. 1 Peter 1.2 says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only is it through the Holy Spirit that we are convicted of sin, judgment, and righteousness, not only is it through the Holy Spirit that we are able to confess Jesus as Lord, it's also true that it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can obey and be set apart. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give you, give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. When Paul references promised long ago, he was talking about the scripture in Ezekiel um, that says this, and when I will give you, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Why was the spirit given to us? It was given to us to give us the power to live in Christ, to carry out our position in Christ. We can't do it alone. Imagine, if you would, for just a second, that God is the spigot, we're the hose, and the Holy Spirit is the water that flows through that spigot through the hose. The hose itself, if you had a hose laying here, is somewhat useless in and of itself. It has to be connected to the spigot in order to have the, have the flow and have the intent that it's supposed to have. Well, remember, we have a spoiler alert, and that is that we have a responsibility, so it's the same here. Well, what is our responsibility as it relates to God's Spirit? Well, it's not to get disconnected. It's not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And we get disconnected when we choose to love the things of this world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love this world or the things of this world. For all that is in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father. Romans 13, 14 says, make no provision for the flesh as it results in its lust, in regards to its lust. Well, how do we stay connected? How do we not grieve the Spirit? Galatians 5.16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. I have a dog. My dog's Callie. She's a husky. And she takes a walk every morning. And she lets me lead her. Um, But I'm leading from behind. Um, Most, well, every day. Um, And she... uh, we have a good arrangement. She uh, allows me to lead her, and as a result, she has many benefits. She doesn't have to worry about getting hit by a car. She doesn't have to worry about getting lost. She doesn't have to worry about all of those things. She could greet other dogs safely. She could go around the neighborhood as she kind of likes. She has benefits because she's allowing me to lead her. In the same way, when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, there are benefits that we get. Just six verses later in Galatians, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The more we walk in the Spirit, the more fruit we produce. It's natural because the water is flowing through us. It's when we get disconnected and when we try to do it on our own that things go wrong. Other ways that we stay connected to the Spirit is through prayer. Jesus is a great example of this, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed and prayed and prayed so that he was ensured that he was being led by the Spirit. We also stay connected by using our spiritual gifts. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself. But when we use our spiritual gifts, we're completely reliant on God and his Spirit to show up. Otherwise, it's meaningless. I'm not, well, I'll get into that later, so I won't say anything with that right now. But that's another way. So, God's Spirit is one resource that he provides. The second resource God provides is his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Do you know a good lawyer, a good engineer, a good doctor? Do you think that they mastered their profession by never cracking open a book? No. So how come we think that we could live out our position in Christ without opening this book? It's not possible. 
My house has many cookbooks in it. There are cookbooks upstairs, there's cookbooks downstairs, there's cookbooks in the closet, there's cookbooks on shelves. They're, they are, ev- seriously, they are everywhere. But I'm not a chef. And I'm not a chef because I've never opened one of those books. <laughs> and so not only am I not a chef, but I don't get to experience anything that I would be able to experience if I took those instructions and practiced them and made those ingredients. I miss out on all of that. The Bible has the power to guide us into all truth and into all wisdom. So we need to open it up. So let's get serious for just a minute and talk about the fact that it's difficult because time seems to slip away in all of our days. I actually think women have a harder time with this than men. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but they seem to have more things that they have to get done in a day. So how do we make time? Well, how many of us eat every day? How many of us bathe every day? Hopefully we bathe, (laughs) brush our teeth. We see these things as necessities in our lives, right? They're necessities, so you do them. Well, I propose to you that being in God's word is a necessity in your life. Food keeps you physically alive. God's word keeps you spiritually alive. We also say that, well, you know what? You know, when I read... You know, and I read that book of Leviticus, I just fall asleep. Well, don't be reading Leviticus <laughs> um, too many times. But I fall asleep, it's boring, or you might say, you know what, I've read it, so why should I read it again? Well, I know that I've eaten more than one hamburger. Um, I actually did some research. I did some research. The typical American eats 150 hamburgers a year and is willing to go up to 24 miles to get that hamburger. Now, maybe maybe not here, or unless your hamburger is a special place, but that's the average in America. So it's hard to say or hard to agree that, well, I've read the Bible once when you eat a hamburger more than once, right? You know, some days food is better than other days for me, right? It may taste better on one day than another day. Um, Maybe one day it really doesn't do anything for you, but you still eat. It still nourishes your body no matter how you feel about it, right? I hate vegetables. I hate vegetables, but I'll eat them because I know they're good for my body. You say, but I come to church every week, and I listen to the Word of God. Isn't that honoring God? Well, do you eat once a week? 
What happens when you eat once a week? How long before you die? How long before you're malnourished? How long before your growth is stunted? Luke 6, 46 through 48 says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. When we open God's word and listen to it and follow it, what's the results? We're immovable. We can stand firm. We were able to live out our position in Christ. You know, there's some practical steps that we can all take in regards to this. Um, we can all set a time that works best for us just to devote to reading God's Word. Some of you, it might be the morning, some of you, it might be the evening, but there could be a time that you set apart. Maybe you need to get a daily devotional that you really, really like. There's a lot of daily devotionals out there. And t use that as a guide along with Scripture. Maybe it's starting a journal and writing in that journal every day about what you read in Scripture. Maybe it's just getting on your phone app and reading the latest Scripture for the day. You know, we have a vision statement at Alpine that says, one of the, one of the statements is, give up something you love for something you love more. You might have to give up something for something you love more. We need to use the resources. We must live by the Spirit and be in God's Word. The last resource that God has given believers is fellow believers. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Fellow believers bring us back on track. Um, I went across country two times, but uh, my wife's here, she's over in the corner. I'm using an illustration here. So when we rode, she was my support. And so in Missouri, I swear, every road had a turtle that was crawling across the road. And so my wife thought she had to save the turtles. So every other minute as I drove my bike by, she'd be out there in the middle of the road picking up this turtle and bringing it back to the side of the road to save the turtle. How many of us care to save another fellow believer? We need to live in community. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, but encouraging one another. Fellow believers encourage us. 
You know, I would imagine that when we're not around fellow believers, probably the majority of the time we're not being stimulated to good deeds. I imagine that we're being stimulated to selfish ambitions. It takes us away from our Lord. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and he gave some as and some as and some as. Those are gifts. That's not the main point here. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the measure which belongs to the fullness of Christ, no longer to be children tossed here and there. Fellow believers equip us to full maturity. You cannot become a mature Christian without fellow believers. I don't care if you've memorized this whole thing. If you're not in relationship with others, you're not attaining what you need to in Christ. We live in a society that is becoming more and more isolated. And the pandemic didn't help that at all. I can actually get those 150 hamburgers without ever leaving my house these days, right? You can get anything and everything you want without leaving your house. More and more people are working remotely. The family unit is disappearing. Communities are disintegrating because of violence and political issues. Social media, Zoom, TV, if you don't like somebody, you can just turn them off, right? I keep getting this um, news report on my phone that says, uh, why men have no friends. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say because I haven't looked at that article. Probably means that I have no friends. I don't know. But anyways, our society is not doing great in this area. Isolation is a top ten reason why people commit suicide. It leads to death. In the same way, spiritual isolation leads to spiritual death. It's not possible to live out our position in Christ and honor God in isolation. It's impossible. But that's not easy. It's kind of tough sometimes. It means that, you know, it takes a lot of energy to give. And it takes a lot of energy to sit there and receive. It's not easy all the time. Sometimes you just want to go home and veg, especially if you're an introvert like me. <laughs> Problem is, I'm banking that my resurrected body is not an introvert because... <laughs> Because I know heaven is in community. And for all you introverts out there, I have bad news for you. You're not going to get a mansion with a wall around it. It's not going to happen. In all seriousness, we are not made to live in isolation. In fact... Isolation is literally hell. 
Even God is not isolated. We learned in our series on the Trinity, there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And back when I was in seminary, I read a book called The Mustard Seed Conspiracy, and it was about things that you could do so that you could live in community and make a difference. And that book's still with me. It's still a big challenge. And what will you do to ensure fellow believers are a resource that you use? What are you going to do to be in community? You know, we talk a lot about small groups, so small groups might be an option. If you're not in a small group, maybe you want to start a small group. Maybe you're sitting there saying, I can't lead a small group. That's why we have the Pursue God materials. You don't have to be some superstar to lead a group. The big thing is to get involved with another group of people that are like-minded, that are Christians. You could be around a group of Star Wars nerds that love Jesus, some gym rats that love Jesus, some people that do community support that love Jesus. Get involved with a group of individuals that love Jesus. Because when you don't, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting others. Because God so ordained things that if you're not involved, then you're hurting me because you're important. You're part of the body. So I suffer when you're not involved. Well, the good news is that we have a great position in Christ, that we are born again, that we can walk in freedom, but we need to use those resources. We need to live by the Spirit in the word, with the believers. Remember, you can't sit on that stool if even one of those legs isn't functioning correctly. If you're really serious about pursuing God, then you have to be serious about using those three resources. And not one of us in here, including myself, is perfect in this area. We all could get better. So I'm challenging you today, this morning, to think about one thing that you can do in each one of these areas that will help you to live out your position in Christ and honor God.